This episode is sponsored by Koya Plant-Based Protein Drinks. Go to drinkkoya.com, link in the description. Uh, grab yourself some protein drinks while you're listening to this episode. You are now listening to the best show in the universe, The Anthony Rogers Show. You probably wish that this was your show, but it's not. It's The Anthony Rogers Show. Tell all of your friends to listen to this show. Welcome back to the greatest show in the universe. Uh, today we have a uh, guest host, uh, Sam from Underground St. Louis. What's and up, we, guys? We have a huge guest uh, author, uh, conspiracy theorist, I guess. I don't want to discredit it. I don't feel like that's a discrediting word, but author of like interesting theories, uh, Donald Jeffries. How are you doing, man? All right. How are you? Really good, man. Uh, thank you for uh, stepping down and uh, do, doing this show. You know, it's, well, it's beneath you, like, frankly. <laughs> I, I don't say no too much, man. I'm pretty easy, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So uh, you wrote a lot of books on, like, JFK, and that's why I re- reached out originally, like, the assassination. Um, like, to cut down to it, I mean, who, who do you think is responsible, more or less, like, the, the fastest way of... Well, you know, people ask me that all the time, and uh, I've been studying the, I studied the JFK assassination as a teenager in the mid-1970s. I was a teenage volunteer with uh, Mark Lane, who was uh, uh, probably the most famous critic of the Warren Commission. He wrote Rush to Judgment. He testified before the Warren Commission. He used to be on TV a lot when they used to allow that. You know, he used to actually, and he certainly was on a lot of radio shows and college campuses. Again, when college campuses were more open, uh, back then, they actually had, you know, people that could go on there and talk about these things. But he was my mentor as a civil libertarian, which it was a lot I am. And, and you know, now we're dinosaurs. There aren't very many people of us left that believe in free speech and the oh, First Amendment and all, and all that and civil liberty. So uh, Mark Lane had a big impact on me. And, you know, I just you start looking at it. And even as a teenager, you see these things, you just you just do a little bit of study. It doesn't it's a rudimentary study that you need. And, uh, you know, you 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 find out very quickly that whoever killed JFK, it wasn't Lee Harvey Oswald. So that's why my answer, my simple, my simple answer is that who killed JFK? Well, not Lee Harvey Oswald. I don't know. Uh, you know, I think it's pretty obvious that because we know who covered it up, you know, we, we can look and see the FBI and the Justice Department and the CIA and the Secret Service and the uh, Dallas police early on. And, uh, you know, that, that these people covered it up. So it, it's kind of logical, you know, speculation is that, you know, if you cover it up, you're covering up for someone within your midst, right. uh, you know, the military Definitely. industrial complex, whatever. So when people ask me, I think Oliver Stone, I think got it pretty right in JFK. If you watch that, there was something in the air and he shows the, you know, the Joint Chiefs of Staff and, the, and some generals at like Curtis LeMay at the Pentagon and uh, JFK had a traitor, at least one traitor in his midst, I believe, and that was McGeorge Bundy, who was his uh, national security advisor. And I've given many reasons why I think McGeorge Bundy was a conspirator. Uh, the first and most obvious one is that uh, the most overt reason I believe JFK was assassinated was because he had just recently uh, issued a National Security Action Memorandum 263, which uh, delineated a withdrawal policy from Vietnam. All The first thousand troops are going to come out by the end of 1963. All troops are going to be out by 1965. So... Uh, to say how different the 60s would have been if that had happened, just just wow. imagine that. So that was right about a month before he died. Uh, McGeorge Bundy drafted a new National Security Action Memorandum in 273. It was on, drafted on the day of the assassination. 
and it completely turned that very new policy on its ear and in fact would have led the way and it did because Lyndon Johnson couldn't sign it fast enough uh, to escalation in Vietnam. Now, McGeorge Bundy had to have known that JFK would never have signed it. He would have been fired instantly just for even writing it. So he had to be very confident that JFK would never see it to sign it. So uh, you want a conspirator in their midst. I think that's one right there. I also, I also think the Secret Service was the most obvious uh, group of, of conspirators that for whatever reason, I don't think they're necessarily all in it. There's a lot of theories. And it's interesting because, you know, in recent years, with a lot of the big events and so forth, it's been come common to talk about the kind of staged element and crisis actors and all that and drills, certainly drills. We see drills are inherent going back to 9-11 at the same time as these things. And uh, a lot of people believe that the reason the Secret Service stood down is because they were told there was a drill that for JFK's own safety, you know, we're faking a mock assassination, you know, so he takes this seriously or something. That's what people think. Uh, some people, and it makes some sense, but um, you, you want a guy there that I, I believe Emory Roberts, who was in, in charge of the Secret Service detail in the follow-up car and he actually stopped somebody from going to, he stopped John Reddy, one of the agents from, from running to JFK's age when the shots were fired. So I think those two guys, I, I don't like to point fingers because you can't really prove anything, but I'm, I'm pretty confident that those two by their actions were conspirators. And I think you just go from there. If you'd had a real investigation, the first thing they would have done, they would have, all of those secret service agents would have been grilled relentlessly so you know you had six seconds to react you know and that you would have read from the secret service brochure you're trained to react instantaneously to sign a gunfire the secret service agents in jfk's limousine are trained to jump on top of him and camouflage and that's what was done with lbj uh you know they, they acted properly uh these Whoa, guys i never noticed that yeah, if you look, yeah, that's oh, yeah. huge. That's yeah. huge. Yeah. yeah. Who was yeah. the Who was the guy that actually ran? I think I think he ran and jumped into the car. He was Clint Hill. Like, Clint Hill. That, that was, was Clint Hill. That was Clint Hill, and he he, um, but he was nobody's hero, and and he's he's now coming. He's still alive. Mm -hmm. He's uh, the the last remaining member of that. And in recent years, uh, he for a long time, he uh, he, I think he was on sixty minutes or something many years ago, and he kind of broke down in tears, and people felt sorry for him. Okay, you know he. But because he, he did, he did belatedly run and Jackie kind of pulled him in onto the limousine or probably would have fallen off. But he, he waited way too long no after JFK's, JFK's, at least he did run. I'll give him that. But I don't know what the point was at that time because JFK's head was you know, blown off. But, <laughs> uh, you know, there was it was a little a little too late. But Clint Hill uh, is a despicable character in my book because he is. Uh, gone on record and he's written a couple books and he's uh, completely lied about uh, my, uh, there's a guy named Vince Palarama who is uh, a friend of mine uh, in the JFK research committee who's made a uh, history of uh, uh, the secret service. He wrote a book called Survivor's Guilt. So people who are really into the minutia of this, my book Hidden History has a lot about the Kennedy assassination, but I talk about how these things are connected with, you know, all things, uh, you know, from there all the way through the Obama years, because I wrote it before the rise of Trump. I think these things are connected, but uh, Vince studied the Secret Service in detail and he talked to all these agents. And if you look at these recent books by Gerald Bain and, and uh, Clint Hill, uh, you can see how they, it, they contradict what these agents told Vince himself about the JFK never interfered with him. Because that's become the new thing that the Clint Hill people are, they basically blame JFK for getting killed. That he was, you know, he didn't want agents on the back of it, which is ridiculous. And they, they told him that themselves. No, he never interfered with this at all earlier. But now it's, you know, they write these books and the media is, you know. They eat it up. Yeah, they eat it up and they're, you know, they, they don't ask any questions and they're, you know, they've been 
people talk about fake news now, but people like me that have been studying the JFK assassination for years, we know how bad these people are. You know, we know, go back to Walter Cronkite and Dan Rather and these guys, that these people lied their asses off constantly about the JFK assassination. And uh, so it's, when I look at CNN and, and people that are out in the media today, I mean, this, this is standard operating procedure for them. They literally will, we will not investigate anything unless it's investigate people like us. You They'll pointed out, uh, you pointed out, and uh, this is the beginning of the word conspiracy theory too. And one of your, uh, one of the things I was reading, you say, like you said, like this was the first time conspiracy theory was used on mass scale. Yeah, well, there was a, a, a infamous memo from the CIA uh, in 1967, and it was called uh, Countering Skepticism of the Warren Report. And they used the term conspiracy theorists, and it, it's there, it's conspiracy theorists there, it's to smear people. I mean, I, I, I wasn't along there yet, but uh, people that were like Mark Lane and, and Harold Weisberg that were already, you know, talking about this stuff. And then Jim Garrison, of course, they were terrified of him because his investigation was just starting. And it was mainly to counter that. But if you look at that memo and read the code words and everything that we, and they, they importantly said, we want to use our friendly assets in the media. <laughs> now we know that that means Mockingbird assets because we know there was Operation Mockingbird that filled the media. And today we see people like Anderson Cooper, who was an admitted CIA intern in college, not to mention the son of Gloria Vanderbilt. So he started, you know, oh wow, he started in life in third base and thought he had a home run, you know, and he, and, <laughs> and he has, so he's uh, but he's a CIA intern. So, uh, you know, is that Operation Mockingbird? I mean, maybe that project doesn't, you know, sp yeah, is literally exist anymore but with somebody like him you see uh the result of it and certainly had pl plenty of other uh, journalists before him but that memo if you read it now it explains a lot in terms of you know later things like 9-11 or certainly you know the, the election the 2020 election even anything yeah. it, it's it's to stop skepticism it's to stop questioning of the government and the, the very first uh real so-called conspiracy theory, the word conspiracy really became, you know, went viral, so to speak, long before the internet uh, in terms of the JFK assassination. And that's before that, you know, conspiracy, of course, the word existed, but you didn't hear, um, you didn't hear it bandied about very much before to the JFK assassination. After that, it became popular, of course, it, you know, it, it led into other things, eventually the 9-11, especially, <clears throat> things like that. And, uh, so I think it's very important you know, if you go back to that to to see who is smearing these people. And again, it's just, I can't, you know, some of the, you can, I can make a case, you know, for almost, I mean, in Hidden History, I write about all these subjects, you know, 9-11, Oklahoma City, Waco, all these things that were, it's, it's, it's just so obvious that you were lied to, that the official versions are wrong. But the JFK assassination is just... <laughs> It's just brimming over with this stuff. I mean, really, I, you, you have to be cognitively dissonant to <laughs> look at it and not understand, okay, I don't know who did it, but it wasn't Oswald. They lied to us. So whatever they're telling you, the official narrative is impossible. Now, you, to discover who really did it, to name the actual assassins, you have to have a real investigation. There has never been a real investigation. The, Warren, the, Warren, the FBI put out a very brief report on the assassination initially. And once Oswald was killed in the presence of 70 some police officers, who somehow failed to protect him by you know, police pimp and mobster Jack Ruby. After that, uh, you know, if you look at, there was a November 25th, um, 1963 memo from Nicholas Katzenbach, who was the assistant attorney general under Bobby Kennedy, but he was, he was effectively running 
the Justice Department because Bobby Kennedy was devastated after his brother was killed. So he was he he just couldn't have, do his job. So Nicholas Katzebeck went in and read, and you, the memo's out there. So this isn't secret. It's not a conspiracy theory. Read the memo. I quote from it extensively in Hidden History. Uh, it, it basically starts out with saying that this is as soon Oswald's body was still warm. He'd just been pronounced dead after being shot by Ruby. So here you have the so-called suspect has been shot. Uh, the questioning, all the interrogation sessions they did of him in the Dallas police headquarters, none of them were, were recorded. So uh, you, eventually, uh, Will Fritz, the captain of police, uh, came up with some handwritten notes. Imagine taking this guy to trial. I mean, you have nothing. He could just say, oh, I didn't say that. I mean, you have no proof. It's your word against his. You're not documenting anything. So they must have known it was never going to go to trial because they didn't even try to document. They didn't have tape recorders in 1963. The Dallas police couldn't for the pre alleged presidential assassin. So as soon as, 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 his, as he was pronounced dead, Nicholas Katzenbach sends a memo off to Bill Moyers, who is still alive, by the way. He's a PBS television star, but he was a big aide to Lyndon Johnson. And it starts out saying the public must be satisfied that Oswald was the assassin, that he had no Confederates who were still at large. There was no conspiracy. I mean, it's it just, they couldn't have made themselves any clearer. I mean, an honest investigation would have said, hey, now that the, the, the main suspect has been dead, we've got to, you know, leave no stone unturned. We've got to figure out, first of all, is there a connection between Ruby, the guy that shot him, and Oswald? Uh, you know, what, what was the point? Why would he shoot him? We need to, this is, you know, with, this looks bad. And the world, certainly the rest of the world laughed at it and said, you know, this is a banana republic stuff. Uh, but the press, the press then, as now, they accepted this unquestionably. They never said, they, they never, all the work that's been done on it, from Mark Lane and Harold Weisberg down to people like me, uh, you know, 50 years later, it's all been done by private citizens. There's been, other than a very few journalists that, that wrote some good newspaper articles. Uh, nobody, everybody else, Harold Weisberg was a, a, re, a retired OSS agent and a chicken farmer. Uh, Mark Lane was a lawyer. Uh, Sylvia Marr was a worker at the World Health Organization. Uh, Shirley Martin was a housewife. These were the people that wrote the books, that went through the 26 volumes of hearings, the stuff that pro, uh, professional journalists should have done and didn't do. So all the fact that we're... You know, the fact that we're talking about it, they were kind of the early day people on the internet. Like if the internet had existed then, they'd be people like us that were, you know, writing on blogs and and starting podcasts and things like that. They, that was kind of an early version of it, but we can thank them for doing it. But we can't thank any journalists because they never investigated anything then and they're not investigating anything now except people like us. Man, that's, that's so like, so like, you know, you being labeled a conspiracy theorist, you're not just coming at, you know, when I think of conspiracy theorists, I think of guys that are like saying like, oh, you know, like off the walls, like, you know, flat earth or something like that. But you literally have proof, all your works. I mean, you're going in historical documents, uh, interviews between people, all that kind of stuff. I mean, that's got to be frustrating that you are a private citizen looking into this. You're doing more journalism than actual journalists. Um, I mean, how does that, how has that affected your career, making a career about JFK, a conspiracy? <laughs> well, it doesn't make me more uh, employable. I can tell you that. <laughs> you know, it's uh, <laughs> most people don't want to hire me, but uh, yeah, cause I have, I have quite a resume. You know, I, I have some bestsellers. I have extensive, right. I've been interviewed on a, you know, a lot of platforms, uh, uh, big platforms, coast to coast, right? The Travel Channel, you know, RT Television, lots of you know bigger radio shows, Infowars, but they're all most of them are conspiracy oriented, 
And the titles of my books kind of, you know, give away most for the most part, especially the, the two ones about conspiracies, which are by far my best sellers. Uh, so they, you know, people look at it like, okay, they, and they do look, and I don't mind, I, you know, I embrace, you know, I like Gore Vidal said, you know, that I, I'm a conspiracy analyst. I'm not a conspiracy theorist. I'm analyzing the people that rule us. People tell me, you, know, you think everything's a conspiracy. Well, we're being run by conspirators. And they, they don't know. They don't know any other way. I mean, this this is their sub subterfuge is is their stock and trade. That this is what they do. They don't literally. They they conspire against the people as a way of life. They know other way, and they and they promote you know the next generation that does the exact same thing. So that's why you see this. Whether we're talking about just the election that ended, or something, or the, the kind of the retaliation that's going on now. I just read today that some, and I, I'm a, I'm pretty much a left winger, for, or an old fashioned left winger, but the right wing is the people are the people that are under attack now, and they just some guy was just apparently paces ten years up to ten years in prison for some memes that he put out on Twitter. And I guess the one that will put him over the top was he put he superimposed a MAGA hat on Taylor Swift's head. The FBI came and arrested him. What the fuck? That's I mean, this. Insane. I mean, it's insane. But this is this is tyranny, and it all started because, you know, well, it goes back longer than that. But you know, for the purposes of most of our lifetimes, the JFK assassination started this, and they killed a president. Uh, they came up with an absurd uh, 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 conclusion that no one believed. Only the, the, a minority of the public, and even at the beginning. Uh, mo the vast majority of the people believed there was a conspiracy. They didn't believe the official story. So, but everyone in the public eye, everyone that had a, a public platform, like Rich Richard Belzer, the comedian, was famous as saying, you know, 90% of the people think there was a conspiracy to kill JFK. The other 10% work in the media and the government. <laughs> and that's and that's that's pretty much it. That's what it's been. So, so it's they're they're imposing right. So from that time on, and then they killed MLK and RFK. And of course, they wouldn't have been assassinated if JFK hadn't have been. These things are connected. And then later, I was the first one to write about what I think is the assassination of John F. Kennedy Jr. And I, I was the first one to do an independent investigation of that. And I've done lots of interviews about that. And I, I believe, again, he was assassinated because these things are connected together. 9-11 uh, has a whole you know, series of connections that I think that led from uh, getting with Ruby Ridge and Waco and Oklahoma City through 9-11 and 9-11 had such a tremendous impact because after that uh, we're seeing kind of what we might see now after you know the events at the capitol where uh they're taking an event and and using it to take our civil liberties away so after 9-11 we had the patriot act and uh the the never-ending wars in the middle east all that was a result of that and it was because each time it was because not enough people questioned it and that's why there's that. Unfortunately, I, people like me, I'm just, you know, I'm outnumbered. I mean, I, I tried, I, I've woken up a lot of people, but, and uh, people with bigger plot, the Alex Joneses of the world, you know, they, they, that people, they've woken up a lot of people to varying degrees. But the problem is the vast majority of people still believe what they're told. And so we're in a situation where we're right now where we're, we're really right out of Orwell. When you have people that could be arrested for things, you know, like memes or things posting on Twitter. It's very scary, but the people on the left that used to be my friends, they don't seem too concerned about it. And I, you know, there's an old expression that the left used to love. And it was something like, I think it goes back to Nazi Germany. It was something like, you know, for, when they came for the liberals, they didn't mean me, so I didn't say anything. Then they came for the socialists, I didn't say anything. Then they came for the communists, I didn't say anything, whatever. But they, and then it says, then they came for me and there was nobody left. So regardless of how you frame that in terms of like the political spectrum, 
that's where we are now. Right now they're coming for the Trump supporters or the so-called racists and all that stuff. And people as well, that doesn't apply to me. I'm, I'm not going to worry about it. Well, eventually, you know, they could come for you because you know, once we, any of us lose our freedom, the rest of us do. And, uh, but, you know, I, I, again, I realize I'm in a really small minority with that because I've, I've had to just kind of accept the fact that uh, right now, I think most Americans don't believe in free speech. Yeah. You know, it's, it's funny. The, um, you know, it's, it's, I was talking to somebody the other day about this and they were saying that why would I care about a president, you know, who died back in the sixties, who was killed? It's like, well, because one, it could happen again Two, They lie to you. Then they could lie to you again. Um, I think one of the biggest uh, things that just came out recently was uh, the Irishman with Martin Scorsese. And there's a line where Joe Pesci's character, Russell Buffalino says, if they can assassinate a president, they can assassinate, they can do whatever they want basically. And it was like Hollywood basically put it out there that it was the mob that took out Kennedy. Is that, is that, what do you, what do you think? Well, that's always been a fallback option there. I I think that that was, that was always, well, early on it was, they would have blamed Castro or communism in general. And uh, they dropped that pretty quickly. And then uh, in recent years, it's become popular to blame the mafia because the mafia is, is, I don't know how much power the mafia. Yeah. Yeah. The mafia. I I don't know how much power the mafia has today, but I mean, cause to me, our representatives are like crime families. I mean, there's a Clinton, there's a Clinton crime family, the Bush crime family. I mean, these, these are crime families, man. So I, I don't, you know, and they're worse. At least the mobsters had some principles, you know, they wouldn't, they didn't generally go after kids or women or, you know, they, they, they kind of just took out whatever enemy, you know, you were on my territory. Boom. That's and they go to mass or something, you know, they're crazy. But uh, the, the, the people we have in public life today have no scruples. We know the kind of stuff apparently they do with children, the, the kind of scandals that are there. Uh, they certainly don't have any problem with any kind of sexual things. They don't seem to have the morality even mobsters had. So to blame the mafia, especially today, I don't even know who, like, for instance, most people don't know during, during the election we just had, there was a... Uh, one, one of the many you know, th- things that weren't investigated, there was a, the mob boss of Philadelphia. And I guess they don't make mob bosses like they used to. And they're not, they're not as big, I guess, anymore. But his name was something like Skinny Mike, Skinny something. Skinny Joey. Skinny, skinny, skinny Joey. Joey, skinny. Joey Merlino. Is that, there you go. Uh, yeah, yeah, that's it. Yeah, skinny so, Joey. Yeah. Well, he came out and said, hey, yeah, you know, we, we threw 300,000 votes to Biden in Philadelphia. You know, we paid for that or something. Like, <laughs> he admitted it, yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, I mean, it's kind of a big story. You know, you think. <laughs> oh, wow. Nobody was interested. I mean, literally nobody was interested. I mean, this is this has Hollywood written all over it. This has to be, I mean, that's a, just a human interest story. Hey, you know, Skinny Joey, the mobster. I mean, that's, you know, but they, I mean, so even a mobster can't, at this point, you know, whatever influence he had, it might have influenced that level buying votes. I don't know that they're ruling, you know, they're going and killing people in barbershops and stuff like they used to. But uh, even back then when they had more power, I don't believe the mob ever had the power to control all those high level uh, people in the government and the Pentagon, the FBI and the CIA and the Justice Department. Certainly the the CIA especially worked with the mafia a lot. What was what was the though like Joe Kennedy, uh, JFK's father? Wasn't didn't he have ties to like Sam Giancana and all that kind of stuff? Well, you know, that's that's and that's part of the and I I write a lot about this in hidden history. Not too many people are writing actually Bobby Kennedy Jr. 
who just wrote a book. I tried to clear some of that up as well. There's a lot of myths about the Kennedys, and I, I I'm a fanboy of the Kennedys. I again, I, I hate most of the left now because they're they're you know, they're, uh, they're, yeah yeah they're they're authoritarian tyrants. They don't believe in freedom of speech, but the Kennedys, I I still have a soft spot for them, and the left. If you look deeply enough, and I have all the quotes from these people, but the left hates the Kennedys, and they always have, and especially since after the Camelot era, you know, the post-assassination, they martyred him. There was a period of maybe 10 years where he was sanctified and, and became almost an Abe Lincoln type. Well, you know, re really unrealistic. But uh, the mid-70s, Judith Campbell Exner came out of the woodworks. This was a, a woman who had ties to Sam Giancana that you mentioned, Johnny Roselli, another vicious mobster who's later found, you know, uh, dead and, and stuffed into an oil can or something right before his, he was supposed to testify for the House of Select Committee on Assassinations in the mid-70s, one of the many deaths of witnesses before they got to testify there. But he, you know, when you had, uh, at that time, there was an obvious campaign led by Judith Campbell Action, the same media forces that didn't believe anything that Mark Lane and people like that were saying and poo-poo them and criticize them as crazy conspiracy theorists. Uh, didn't even look at, of course, they never did any investigation of the assassination. They kept propping up this absurd impossibility that Lee Harvey Oswald was the lone assassin. They bought Judith Campbell Exner's shtick right from the beginning, even though early on, she didn't even mention the mafia. And she showed up for her initial press conferences, these huge oversized cartoon sunglasses and a big, I mean, it was a, it was a joke. It was ridiculous, but the media bought it up right away. They instantly associate, oh yeah, you know, JFK was sleeping with her, he was sleeping with Exner. And that's when the smear job on JFK's father really began. And I, I wrote more about this in my book, Crimes and Cover-Ups, uh, 1776 and 1963, which has a forward by Ron Paul, which I'm very proud of. But uh, I've talked a lot about that. The, there's so many myths around JFK's father and a lot. one of them is the mob connections, which just just aren't there. They, all the allegations against the Kennedys, invariably, and they're all kind of uh, that either JFK was incredibly reckless, that he wasn't really a World War II hero, he was actually horrible and should have been court-martialed. That's what they believe. When in fact, you know, the guy, he, there were very few politicians that were actual war heroes, but JFK tugged. He, there was a guy that couldn't swim. He put his uh, life preserver raft in his teeth and swam like two, dragged him by his teeth like two miles to shore. I, I don't think I could do that. I don't think too many people could either. So in my mind, he was a genuine war hero, but uh, they, they kind of, that's incredible. Yeah, I mean, just think about it. I mean, think what it would do to your teeth. Yeah, but, yeah, but he, um, so JFK's dad had a lot of the right enemies. And I believe the, the hatred of the Kennedys actually started with him because he, he had aspirations to be president himself. And his, his, his son, Joseph Kennedy Jr., if you've ever seen him, this guy was maybe the best looking. I mean, these Kennedy kids were all great looking, but he looked like a movie star. He was better looking than JFK. And he was a natural politician. He was JFK's older brother. And he was already like a delegate at the Democratic Com uh, Committee at 29 or whatever. He was, his father was grooming him to be the first Catholic president, and he would have been, because he was a natural. JFK was not a natural. He seems like it now, but he wanted to be a journalist. He, he didn't, he did not have any, he just went into it, and his father kind of pushed him after it. But Joe Kennedy Jr. died in a very suspicious bombing. You know, he volunteered for a bombing raid near the end of World War II. His plane blew up. They never found a trace of his body. 
uh, very sad. It was one of the first series of unprecedented tragedies that Joe Kennedy Jr. So, I mean, I, I admit I'm as sympathetic to the guy as a father myself. I can't imagine he lost Joe Kennedy Jr. He lost his oldest son in that crash. And they, then he lost his daughter, his oldest daughter, in a separate plane crash during the war. So he loses two kids in the war. Then he loses two sons, JFK and Bobby, to assassination. So can you imagine losing four of your children to separate, you know, unnatural tragedies like that? Uh, so, and he, of course, he had a daughter, too, that was born uh, mildly retarded. And he, again, he gets criticism for this. And I don't, I've tried to defend him for this, too. He, uh, her name was Rosemary. And she was the most beautiful of the Kennedy sisters. But she was a little slow in the parlance of the times. So JFK's dad, Joe Kennedy, had uh, access. He had the resources to this cutting-edge new technology. And uh, so he went, he went for it to try to help her get her up to speed, you know, because they were very competitive. And the doctor just said, hey, this is, you know, incredible. So, and it was, of course, uh, it was a lobotomy. At the time, nobody knew that was going to, you know, they, so he had it done and it obviously backfired horribly. She reverted back to like the, the three-year-old. And, uh, but he, it, people act like he wanted that to happen. He was trying to help her. And uh, he, he took the doctor's words. And of course, they were wrong, as they are so many times. So, uh, he's, so he's, that, that he's blamed for that. He's blamed for pushing the Kennedy children when, in fact, they adored him. And he was very supportive of them. He did, he, they were competitive to a fault, but he pushed them to, to be better. And he, he, he constantly preached uh, that you're public servants. You have a lot of money. You should go out and serve the public. That's why none of the Kennedys ever accepted a salary long before Donald Trump. So they were the first ones to do it. Yeah, so, wasn't JFK, JFK was the first president, wasn't he? To do right. That? Well, Herbert, Herbert Hoover, I think, actually donated his salary or something. But I think JFK oh, okay. was the first, I think. But, but um, so, you know, Trump followed along in this. And that's good. It's admirable. But, I agree. So, so these things, uh, you know, so the idea, I mean, we hear about the, uh, we hear about the, uh, the connections to the mafia, which is ridiculous. The 1960 election in Mary, I mean, Mayor Daley was corrupt in Chicago. Yes. But I don't think, you know, again, I don't, the, the, the allegations against Joe Kennedy and later JFK and all the other Kennedys, they come from two sources. They're either former mobsters, old mobsters, or more often they're people with the CIA or who have been with the CIA. And these are people that every one of them hate the Kennedys. So it's the idea because eventually what happens is the insinuation, like in the establishment left today, the Kennedys are hated. And, the, and, the, the, and the, that is because they don't want you thinking their lives are worth anything because, because then ultimately you can uh, be like Noam Chomsky, who is, I think, a gatekeeper for the left, who hates the Kennedys. And basically he says, you know, what do we worry about is assassination? He was just the same as that. And it's what he says. He's literally says that. And uh, so, you know, so that's what happens is you, if you don't think these people had any value, if they weren't trying to change anything, then, you know, we don't have to look at their assassinations because they were no good. He was just like LBJ. He would have continued Vietnam, you know, in spite of the, the evidence that's all there. But so when I hear those allegations about the bootlegging, the bootlegging, again, that's, it just comes from like a single source that was connected to the mob and the CIA. It's, it's, but it's, again, it's passed along by court historians. I call them the court historians. They're the gatekeepers of the past. And they're the same, they serve the same purpose as the so-called journalists do today to uh, peddle the disinformation about current events. And uh, so people like me that are writing history, you know, uh, the court historians, well, they don't pay attention to me. But if they did, you know, they, they would probably run the other way because uh, I, I'm trying to teach real history and I'm using 
real sources wherever I can. I'm not theorizing at all. If I, I told people all the time, if you can figure out what, uh, what my theory is, tell me what it is. Because my, my only theory is it's not a theory. It's uh, you know, knowledge that I've, I've gained from decades of research. And that is we are ruled by absolutely corrupt and or incompetent clowns. And uh, that's, <laughs> that's, what, that's, a, that's reality. It's not a theory. It's sad, but true. No, I wish if it wasn't so true. It'd be hilarious. Like, uh, I, think a lot of, I think a lot of them are trying to discredit in, looking into Kennedy to not have their crimes looking into as well, like JFK Jr. being murdered, in my opinion, against Hillary Clinton in a Senate race. <laughs> I get yeah, it. Yeah. Like, like, that's an obvious one. You know, I mean, I already talked about that a little bit on a podcast, actually. But, uh, but I think, like, um, like, they just don't want you looking into their crimes. I mean, that's why you discredit. They're like, oh, who? JF? Who, like, what the f- Who's the Kennedy family? And the Bush family, I mean, the head of the CIA at the time, like, like a rival family competing for power even, potentially. That's, that's opinion. I have no fucking facts. But, I mean, it sounds like it could be something, you know? It's like Game yeah. of Thrones with it's like Game of Thrones with uh, you know U.S. politics. Yeah, there is, and I think there's there there's certainly some of that personality there. That, that but I but I think all these people uh, take that probably almost certainly take their orders from from people higher up. And the reason you see so many, um, if you look at people in, in Congress, especially in you know the last, especially the last I don't know 30, 40 years, there's a huge number of them that that are eventually outed as being gay. And uh, way disproportionate to their numbers in the population. And a, a lot of us is suspected for a long time is it's because they, they're picked for that reason, because they're compromisable. They, they know that they, if they get out of line, they can easily throw that out there. Now, it's harder to do that now because it doesn't mean anything for a public figure to be gay anymore. But, you know, 50 years ago, it did. So now I think they're really going after the pedophiles, the people. That Definitely. Doesn't. Yeah, so, 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 and that's, well, that still is frowned upon, although who knows how much longer that'll be. It maybe won't be frowned upon either. They're trying to push it, yeah. They're trying yes, to push they, it. Yes, they really, yeah. Yeah, it is, and it, so I, I don't back down, you know, from, uh, you know, whether it's Sandy Hook, Pizzagate, any of that stuff's ridiculous. I mean, it, 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 there's, there's valid behind, I mean, I, I, on my art blog, I've written about all this. I, you know, I wrote, I wrote about Pizzagate, I wrote about Sandy Hook because you know, I'm responsible about what I write about. I'm not out, alleging anything. I'm just throwing what's out there. There are reasons to question this. There are reasons to question everything. Uh, we know that there's tons and tons of people that have come forward uh, that were former kids, whether it's the Franklin credit scandal or lots of other things like that, uh, where they describe horrible things happening to them at the hands of often very uh, prominent people. And again, if we had a media, they would look into it, but they don't. And it, it, it's they owned by them. Yeah. They, they're, they're still, we, we have state controlled, I call it state controlled media. And uh, I have said many times, the only difference between our media, our mainstream media and uh, TASS and Pravda in the Soviet Union at the height of its power is that the Soviet people, understood it was state-controlled media. They knew they were being lied to. Yeah. Most of America think that Chris Cuomo and Anderson Cooper and these people, they, they, and Rachel Maddow, they, they think when they get on there that these are journalists. They actually believe it. So I don't know what you can, you know, how you can fight something like that, but it's, it's cognitive dissonance. It's, it's beyond belief, but that's where we are. And that's why you can you can have, you know, people screaming, there's no evidence of vote fraud. And we have over a thousand, <laughs> thousand people that signed sworn affidavits. It's like, you know, what, what do you say to these people? They were, they work, they're low level workers in a post office or something. Why? They got nothing out of this. Why would they make this up to be ridiculed, maybe fired from their jobs? But that's where we are. And that's the media. They, uh, they, uh, because they're, they're, if, if they were a real fourth estate, just imagine how quickly these people could be brought down. 
if you had a real, if you had people like us in those kind of positions, the New York Times, the Washington Post, television networks, uh, just I mean, just imagine airing, you know, turn on, you know, the CBS Nightly News or whatever, and, and you have stories about Pizzagate and 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 and, uh, and, and 9/11 and things. I mean, it, it would all come down, tumbling down very quickly, but you don't because the media is in their employ. Yeah, it's like it's like people that will repeat anything on a teleprompter will repeat things to people that repeat anything they say. It's, it's just like an it's like it's like makes no sense. Like they'll read anything. Like they all want to be famous actors and stuff, but like they're just they're they just read oh, teleprompters. Just talking points left and right. Um. So Don, who, who do you think? Like actually, like you were saying that you don't have like a theory. Um. You know, like if if we find out your theory, let you know. But like, what would you? Where, where do you lean more towards? Who do you think actually did it? Well, I think, you know, we're planned it. Or- I, again, the JFK, I, I, I was in, I think Oliver Stone really, I got it right. I think there was a consortium that got, to, that got together. And I think it probably started in, in the Pentagon somewhere. There were some generals that really wanted JFK. The Pentagon, the upper brass of the Pentagon hated JFK. They absolutely hated him because he rejected the overtures. He's the only president we've ever had that rejected their overtures for war. I mean, they, they pulled the rug out from under them at the Bay of Pigs because he wasn't going to provide air support. So they, they hated him from the beginning, and they made him look bad, so he hated them. And remember, after the Bay of Pigs, he fired the top three officials in the CIA. Director Alan Dulles, who later became the most active member of the Warren Commission investigating his death. So that talk about the fox guarding the hen house. Uh, Richard Bissell and Charles Cabell. Now, now, Charles Cabell's brother, Earl Cabell, was the mayor of Dallas at the time of the assassination. And one of the documents that was released a couple of years ago, one of the ones that actually was interesting, verified what a lot of us suspected for a long time ago, and that was that the mayor of Dallas, his brother, was indeed a CIA asset as well. So these things are interesting. And uh, so I think, you know, certainly the CIA had a motive. Of course, JFK behind the scenes was vowing to, to he was vowing to abolish the CIA. Think of right. that. Think, think right. of a politician came out today and said, you know, we're getting rid of the CIA. I want to splinter it into a thousand pieces to win. That was his exact quote. So here he is. Imagine the, uh, the motivation there for the yeah, people. He to, <laughs> yeah, he wasn't in the club. He, was, he didn't go to Bilderberg. He didn't do any of the things. He didn't do any of the, uh, the no. he, he wasn't related. Like he wasn't like, uh, he didn't no. have the royal bloodline or whatever. Yeah, he was like one of the few that were, like right. him, him and Trump. I mean, the first two I can name, you know. I was going to say that sounds familiar. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah and exactly. And, and so, you know, so it's and you, you see a little bit, you know, what, what you what you saw Trump go through the kind of press. But in JFK's case, the press uh, wasn't as overtly. Uh, first of all, they were more circumspect that. So they did, you didn't have the food fights and everything that you have now. And uh, and certainly JFK wasn't going around and challenging him directly like Trump did. You know, he wasn't shouting at him and calling him fake news and everything. But the, <laughs> but they but they knew what he was doing behind the scenes. And uh, so here here he was threatening to abolish the CIA. He was he basically cut himself off from the Joint Chiefs of Staff after the Cuban Missile Crisis because again the Cuban Missile Crisis, he and Bobby Kennedy, his Attorney General, were the only members, only people there, that didn't want to go into a nuclear war with Cuba. Now, so you know we can thank him for not having that happen then. Right. And so he they and then of course Vietnam. He writes National Security Act Memorandum Two Sixty Three, which delineates withdrawal from Vietnam. They obviously had great big plans for Vietnam, so. They they had a lot of motivation there to get rid of this guy. And you talk about the mafia. He was that was the first administration that they did wage war against the mafia, which is that's why it's hilarious for me to listen yeah. to these connect the mob connections to the Kennedys. The Kennedy administration is the only one under Bobby Kennedy. 
he, I mean, you could argue he, you know, he was a little too vicious. I mean, he was, he was like abducting mafia leaders on, on streets and, and, and flying him to the jungles of Guatemala and dropping him off there because he was so frustrated he couldn't prosecute them. Mm. Now, I don't support him doing that, but I kind of have to smile, you know, inside the, <laughs> that, that he did that to mob leaders. But uh, so you imagine how incensed they were at him. And uh, so lots of people had a mode. So I, I suspect that uh, the CIA, you know, probably ran most of it because they were used to, you know, toppling leaders. They were used to doing coups. Uh, they, they, they didn't mind assassinating people because they'd been doing it for a while by that point. So I think that it was probably supported in the Pentagon. Uh, they always had their assets in the media to make sure the story was never reported that way. And again, keep in mind, this is 1963. So no one in the media, they just, it was an innocent country. Uh, we still believed, you know, naively believed in the government, and we didn't think that our leaders could possibly do something like that. A coup, coup d'etat didn't happen in America. So, and I've always said, you know, every time a president's been assassinated in America, it's always a lone nut or whatever, whereas the rest of, rest of the world, I mean, we're the only country where political leaders don't get assassinated for political reasons, according to uh, our leaders. So, uh, but clearly, I think that uh, these people all came together and, uh, you know, how, who the shooters were or whatever, I don't know. But, and certainly uh, Jager Hoover, the FBI was on board. LBJ was on board because LBJ wanted to be president desperately. He had, and he had no scruples, no principles at all. He would have shot Kennedy himself. He could have got away with it. So, and, uh, and Jager Hoover would have too. So Jager Hoover hated him. So, and he led the cover up. So all these people were involved, but, you know, to say, so they had to cover each other's backs because they all were involved to, to, to varying degrees. But, uh, where the order actually came, I, I think Jay, uh, Oliver Stone was probably right. I think it was kind of something in the wind, and they all, yeah, let's do that. That's awesome. Um, I feel like we could talk forever, but um, like, uh, I guess uh, sa- check out Sam on Underground St. Louis. Um, uh, check out his podcast and stuff. Uh, Donald Jeffries, uh, look him up on Amazon. Buy each and every one of his books and fucking read every single one of them. Um, <laughs> thank you guys uh, for taking the time, and I uh, appreciate it, really. Oh, thanks for having me. Enjoyed it.